go step on this thing over here, do this thing, shoot that guy, and stuff happens. Welcome to episode five of the Starside Lounge, the DBO podcast. Um, I'm Bjorn, and with me today we've got Zenos. Hello. Hey, Zenos. And um, we were short on admins, and we decided it might be fun to bring in a couple community members. So uh, today we also have uh, Arendelle. Hello. Welcome. And we have uh, Speed Racer. Hey there. Or Guardian. I don't know which one you, you want to go by. Uh, Speed Racer. Speed Racer, all right. <laughs> Speed Racer's his name on the forums, so... The yes. only reason I'm Guardian on PS4 is because Speed Racer 513 was taken, and I actually had Speed Racer 5133, but that extra three bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, welcome, guys, and uh, first time we've had guests on, on the Starside Lounge, so this is exciting. Um, this week, we, we had... A fair bit of news with the Bungie Weekly update. It's been a little meatier since they've started talking about the Taken King. And uh, I was sort of curious about everyone was thinking about the announcements and news that, that were in this week's update. Yeah. How about uh, how about you, Speedraiser? Uh, it was pretty good stuff. I uh, I really liked the, the pictures of the concept versus in-game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were two parts that really stuck out to me. Uh, scrolling down here, finding it. Uh, Mike Poe said one of the biggest challenges we faced was making the Dreadnought feel unsettling and uninviting while still making it a place people would want to visit and spend a lot of time exploring. And then uh, further down, as I posted on the forums, there was that part about how the Dreadnought is going to basically be puzzly, the way I read it at least. There's going to be some stuff to figure out more so than just kind of... I got the impression that we won't just see a chest up in a corner and fly up and get to it. Right. But we're actually going to have to figure out how to platform and puzzle our way around the place. There'll be some mechanics that are hidden. Yeah. yeah. How about you, uh, Arendel? Uh, yeah, so I think one of the more interesting parts uh, that I read there was the bit about, let's see if I can find the quote, um, a monstrous spaceship captained by the Taken King, yet filled with vast caverns and unknown passages. Um I'm hoping that it is actually vast and bigger than I than I think it is. I, I hope to actually get lost in this thing. Um, whereas there are few few of the worlds have I ever really gotten lost on, right? Mars is kind of hard to get lost on. The moon is actually probably the only place I have where I've like gone in and the first time I popped out some other place on the moon. <laughs> I like, thought, where am I? Wait, these two connect? I didn't and, know. And honestly, it's just a small part of the moon. That no, you that get re- lost in. <laughs> that yeah. reminds me of the beta, actually. You know, we had the moon for all of two hours during right. the beta. Just go as and far as you can. And I went in there with Sigbia Silva and TTL Demagogue, I think. 
and we burned through that mission real quick because we wanted to take every second of that two hours. And then, so we did the mission again, but this time instead of going the right way, we went inside. And we spent an hour just going deeper and deeper and deeper into the moon, getting lost, seeing all these doors that we thought were going to open when the game came out. Unfortunately, most of them didn't. Uh, but it took us 45 minutes to even try to find our way back out uh, that day because we just went so deep into it. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you, Aaron Dahl. I, I think there's promise there because of how the Hellmouth plays. And if you, I was sort of picturing that, uh, sort of two sides of it. One is if the entire environment is sort of like the Hellmouth, that's great. And then two is we're now a year in and maybe Bungie's found a way to optimize or um, you know stick a little bit more geometry into these large playable spaces. They, they sort of know more about the game in the hands of players now than they did before. And so I'm hoping that maybe we can eke out an even larger area than would have been there at launch. And I'm wondering if uh, the combination of the two is, yeah, going to make the place feel really big, which is hopefully well, not. And I had similar thoughts, especially, I think uh, I was talking about it with another friend, and one of the things we talked about was the fact that I actually think time was actually a bigger constraint than we realized for Destiny. I think they there was a, definitely an urgency to get it out because they'd already announced it kind of thing. And so I think they probably didn't get it in as much content as they like, which is the case with every game, honestly. So I, th- I feel like the Taken King, just with what they've shown, feels like it's going to be so content-rich. And uh, and they're all, the fact that they're just doing the one area. And I've even, you know, in interviews, they seem to hint that it's going to be really large, but they obviously don't want to promise. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I think it was uh, Luke Smith who said, I don't ever want to say stuff like that because some, some player is going to go and throw it in my face <laughs> in a year. So... But yeah, I, I definitely get the idea that even if it's not larger, it's going to feel a lot more uh, deep than a lot of the content out so far. But, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah. The uh, the puzzle thing I thought was great. So the I think it is um, there was the big room. They showed it was an early piece of concept art, and we just never saw what it was there was speculation that it was inside the traveler there was speculation that it was in the hellmouth but it's like the big uh sort of black and green room with the big giant pendulum things hanging from chains the uh right yeah the bridge of the bridge of chains or something like that yeah right I, I think that was the name of it and um it was always sort of curious to me what that was going to be because nothing really in the game felt like that and so then they've got the concept art here, and then they've got the in-game piece, which is you know pretty similar. It's obviously like, oh yeah, okay, I see that uh, that influence. But then I believe this was the same spot that during the Taken King trailer they showed when they were talking about having to go off and explore and see platforms. They showed a guy like he was on the bridge, and then he jumps off to the left, like he's just gonna go jump off into the middle of nowhere, and underneath him a pillar appears. Yeah. But really only cool. because he jumped there. And so, uh, yeah, I feel like that's going to be sort of the puzzling. We're just gonna, it's going to be trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like the raid, too, is going to have a bit of jumping from the pendulum to pendulum. Now, maybe that wasn't the raid, per se, but... They talked uh, about the raid the while showing things. that, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's something that I, I missed from Halo, 
as a uh, and a lot of that was getting places they didn't want us to be of course in halo but uh <laughs> but i i do miss that uh we're very much walled in in destiny which i think in a lot of ways they kind of had to do that because getting out of the environment doesn't work as well when you have an online game but uh right but yeah I, if they can add in moments like that without breaking the game i'm super excited about that yeah they talked about uh somewhere here, i'm just looking for the quote and i don't see it but they talked about adding um logic right like interactive logic to the environment i'm trying to find the quote for it i don't remember seeing that is that where they say they're adding new patrol dynamics that's the one. Oh yeah that that it, they kind of hinted at maybe you won't just wait for a public event to happen but there might be a way to actually call it in to happen yourself right exactly yeah so i, I that my brain parsed that as you know <laughs> interactive environment uh game logic <laughs> go step on this thing over here to this thing shoot that guy and stuff happens and there's a little bit of it i guess in patrol right now with uh the hive stuff on earth so you you know kill the hand of the hive or whatever he's called in that really dark room where you first encounter the hive and then the night and all the exploding thrall pop in there's well, like I, little oh, bits of that but that's all private area that's not public zone right yeah, they say, we've created a suite of new mechanics and woven them into patrol mode. I expect to find new bounties, patrol missions, and public events, both large and small, some of which you can instigate yourself if you can discover how. So sneaky. Yeah. Well, and it, it fits so perfectly, obviously, with Luke Smith's challenge to them, which was an inscrutable loot-filled fortress was Ooh. the design challenge. And that's super exciting, because I think, I think that's how most of us felt when we went into the vault and into uh, the Hellmouth and Crota's End for the first time. Right. Yeah. Well, the neat thing about this, too, is if you think about it, this is really the first time we're going on to the enemy's home soil, in it, not just the Hive, but any of them, really. The moon was ours before the, the Hive took it over, and so I imagine it'll be similar feeling. But this is straight up a dreadnought that was created by the Hive wherever they live. And brought yeah. to our solar system. Yeah, my hope is that patrol ends up actually being a difficult or scary thing. Right. Yeah, patrol is no longer easy mode, as as they said, <laughs> which then that put a smile on my face. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing, moving on just a little bit to to dark blade. Yes. You know, at first when I read this, I thought, okay, dark blade, he looks like a boss. But as I read it two or three more times, I think dark blades are going to be kind of a new class kind of a super super uh uh what do you call him i was just i was just doing the zyre strike like a a super knight knight. yeah super knight because what they say here is uh the dark blade instead of just saying dark blade but the dark blade along with many other hive abominations are waiting for you orcs has built an army for them to lead so i get the impression that they're kind of super knights and we're gonna come across more than one there won't be just one (laughs) Yeah, I was really excited about that that idea that uh, there will be some challenge in the patrol. Because right now it really is kind of easy mode. And you have to work pretty hard to die. Or you can set down your controller and walk into the other room for a minute. Or and be in a Skywatch when three things yeah. happen. Oh, or that, okay. That. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> but that said, though, I mean, sometimes some friends of I have just sat there and waited for that to happen because of the insanity yeah. of what... Right. Of, of what that uh, encounter feels like. And it's just so much fun and so intense for just a couple minutes. Absolutely. 
I actually went to kill yeah. Zyor today on my second Xbox character, and I could not stay alive, and there were three other people there with me. And I remember the first time I grabbed a Scorch Can and thinking, hey, I'm going to see if this wrecks Zyor. You mean uh, I remember, uh, not Zyor. Zyor is the... Uh, yeah, Ur- not Zyor. Urzok. 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 Yeah. And so I grabbed a Scorch Can and fired at Urzok, hold it down, let it charge up to three times, let go, expecting his health to just drop by half. It's like somebody sneezed on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take his shield out, and it comes back so fast. Yeah. Well, that's like, uh, you know those targets in Prison of Elder that are just, like, ridiculously difficult to take down? We usually put a, a blinding bubble in front of their yeah. door and then just shotgun to death. Right, uh, right. Because <laughs> otherwise I mean, like, they're really hard. Right, right. But I, I just noticed the other day when I was playing it, they're level 35. Are, um... Were you, were you doing it in Skolas? Yeah, uh-huh. Right, because everything's 35 in there, right? Um, is it? I think you're right. I, I, I It might have been in the 34, though. I think you come in the 34 and higher you level. me. Yeah, I think you remember you telling me that in the 34 you noticed that they were 35. Yeah, it, it might have been the 34, 34. I'd have to replay it now because now you've made me doubt myself, Bjorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks, you got to play it again. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I hate have that to join so you. much. <laughs> It's intense. I did it for the first time on PlayStation. My my, my PlayStation Warlocks are severely underleveled and undergeared at this point. And but I enjoy I have some friends over there. I enjoy playing with them and we have a good time, but I usually get carried through stuff. Um and so we I needed to get uh Skolas for the moments of triumph. And we went in and, and we got him I don't know, like we got him to about a third health twice in a row uh and before wiping (laughs) and it was just so infuriating because we were doing so well and i just couldn't do the damage output i was using a 300 fate bringer or uh yeah 300 right maxes out at and uh so that etheric light that i got when we actually finished it i like within 10 seconds i just pulled out fate bringer and clicked (laughs) it up a notch like nope i'm i got i have to have the damage output is is there any of us that that wasn't the first etheric light you spent after getting to thirty four? Because that no. was my first. I have I have six three sixty five fate bringers, and I, only, <laughs> I have five characters, and I've got one ready for the Titan that I'm about to start on Xbox. Oh my gosh! Mine was your fate bringer or Galahorn. I can't remember. Well, well Galahorn, you don't have to. Uh, yeah, there's no etheric oh, light required. Oh, that's for, the yeah, for the record, my first uh, ascended weapon was Hawkmoon. Mine was mine was Galahorn, because I was trying to. I think it was because I was trying to beat Skolas. So, I did. I did like Galahorn, Mita, Multi Tool. Uh, probably. Oh, Icebreaker! I spent a bunch of a bunch of shards all at once. Yeah, yeah. I did Hawkmoon, all three Galahorns, all three Icebreakers. But for Luckily, me though, with uh, with Etheric Light, I actually didn't spend it on weapons for a long time. I was trying to get to thirty four. Yeah, same. Quickly. Same here. Because that percentage difference for just the level split uh, made such a huge change. So now, Bjorn, are you, are you just running Warlocks on PlayStation? I am. And uh, yeah, on, on Xbox, I've got one of each. And then on PlayStation, I have a pair of Warlocks. And to, to speed up leveling, I'm guessing. Exactly. Because, because I don't play there very frequently, so that when I actually do get a chance to play and drop in and do Nightfalls and, and level up some gear... Uh, I'll have at least one of them, you know, built up. Well, now you and I seem to have switched places because I was PS4 mainly, 
And then the last three, maybe four weeks, I've been almost exclusively Xbox, just going to PlayStation once a week. And it seems like you're, I see you on PlayStation all the time now, and I don't get to play with you on Xbox. That's really funny. I feel like I'm never on PlayStation. I've been on, I think, like two or three times this week. Uh, <laughs> two or three times is never, huh? Yeah, that's, that's what I was well, saying. Not this week, like these last couple of weeks. I think probably in the last two weeks, it's been two or three times. And it was very specific. Like my buddy texted me. He said, okay, can we do Skullas now? I said, yeah, that sounds good. So now you do you do you have your moments of triumph over there yet? I don't. I need twenty five um, public events. <laughs> I, need, okay. I need I need to go and I meant to do it actually the other day. I was uh, yesterday morning. I sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to do the moments of triumph. I'm going to get a couple of public events under my belt. And I was halfway through the first mission and somebody texted me. I said, hey, you want to do this on Xbox? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I think it was you, Arendelle. It might have been. It might have been. Might have been. But it must have been like Thursday or something. I, it all bleed, bleeds together. So, so uh, oh, go so ahead. I was going to say, so taking a step back um, and to sort of reintroduce our, our special guests, uh, I was going to ask you guys uh, how you got into the whole uh, Bungie scene and um, just what your experience with being a Bungie fan has been like for the last, you know, well, you guys have both been at it for a while. But uh, yeah. how, how about you, Aaron? Dahl, what... Uh, Let's start with you. All right. So first introduction to Bungie was probably my dad bringing home Marathon 2 for me as a birthday present at an age I won't, I won't specify. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was the same age I was. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, and so from there, I played the Marathon games, but wasn't really involved in the community at that point. Um, then started playing Myth the Fallen Lords, another Bungie game, and that's where I started getting getting into the community. Yeah. Um, and part of that was that it had an online multiplayer uh, aspect to it that would that you didn't have to know an IP address to actually get going, right? <laughs> right, yeah, um, it didn't and, have the, the rooms. Yeah, and in fact, uh, here's a nice embarrassing uh, young internet moment. Uh, I downloaded the demo for that game and there was this button after launching the game that said multiplayer. I was like, well, okay, sure. I don't have an IP address for a friend, but let's just see what the menu looks like. And it threw me into this room with these weird named people. <laughs> and someone said something, but it was like a single word. And I, my first words were, are you guys real? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was, I was blown away by this, by this, by this chat room that I could just kind of like jump into. And there were, and there were no games hosted either. So it wasn't really clear to me what, what exactly was going on. And then, then games started being hosted. Uh, so myth, that's where I really got into it. And then was part of the whole halo launch and the Microsoft buyout. And I got to be angry and, uh, the seven stages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, then kind of faded through the middle of halo, uh, due to college and then came back for destiny. Pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. Sounds, sounds familiar. And how yeah. about you speed racer? Well, so the original Xbox came out when I was a freshman in college and, uh, about four guys on our floor at the dorms bought Xboxes and Halo was the game to play. So we hooked all those up in the commons room all the time and we were landing there. And so that was my first introduction really to a Bungie game. Played Halo a bunch my freshman year. I didn't own my own console though. Went uh, After my first year of college, went to Brazil for two years, came back. Finally bought an Xbox right in time for Halo 2 to come out. Um, of course, played all the rest of the Halos. Uh, but I was in college and law school, so that was mostly just 
I'd get on Friday nights, play from about 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. Um, at some point along the way, I went back and played marathon, and so I kind of claimed to go all the way back there. Although I didn't didn't get introduced to marathon until after Halo. Um, when it came time for uh, first when, when Destiny was first announced, really, and I knew I was going to want to kind of join more of a community to play with and not just go to matchmaking, especially because it was going to be so based on fire teams. Um, I had seen the Halo 2 DVD and saw the line at Claude's house. I had lurked on HBO for years, never really posting, and so I just figured, well, destiny.bungie.org seems like the right place for me to make a username and start posting, and started joining a lot of community nights there. So that's kind of how I came to the community. But yeah, it goes back to freshman year of college when Halo came out. Now, I'm curious, did you make it all the way through all three marathon games by going backwards and, and deciding to play them? Honestly, no. I, I've played the first one multiple times. I've played the second one, and I have still actually never finished Infinity. Which <laughs> good, I'm luck, good luck wrapping your head around Infinity. It's yeah, I, it's weird. <laughs> I've got. I'll admit that might be true of me as well. I don't know if I have finished Infinity. So oddly enough, just, just use the guide. I finished Infinity, and yeah. I didn't realize. I, I had no idea what happened. I, I got to a certain point with it where I was just playing it and gave up on trying to figure out the story. And after the fact, like many, many years, I went back and read like what was supposed to be happening. Like, oh. So you mean okay. like story-wise or how yeah. to get past this level? No, no, no. Story-wise, I actually managed to finish the game, but it was just bizarre because it, it, it gets cyclical and you can branch off into different stories depending on how things go. And it has this bizarre uh, mission structure that uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you're sitting down to try to play it straight when you through. have yeah you have to like you can like you said you can get to the end and be like i have no idea what just happened yeah because you missed a bunch of terminals whereas with halo 2 or sorry <laughs> marathon 1 and marathon 2 you can you can miss quite a few terminals but as long as you're reading the ones you have to read you know you have to yeah everything else is just flavor you get the story right so it could be that i actually finished Marathon and Finney and didn't really realize it. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> so on marathon.org, does it tell you which terminal to go to in which order? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the story page has, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, there's some actually really great walkthroughs. Spent a lot of hours reading the story page. Yeah. Me too. How about you, Zenos? We, we, we never talked about this. Like, sort of where we came from. Uh, mine, mine is... Uh... Mine's pretty similar to Arendelle's, actually. My brother came home from college, and he'd ha- he'd gotten Marathon. And uh, while he'd been playing the story, he wanted to play the multiplayer, but nobody else had a Mac at uh, college when, you know, back then nobody had Macs, right. at least relatively speaking. This is Marathon 1. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we hooked up Apple Talk Network, an Apple Talk Network, network and played me him and my other brother against each other in uh in marathon did you use the voice chat no no we were in the same room (laughs) okay and uh and i was like wow this is amazing because back then you know there wasn't really much multiplayer at least not for that type of game oh heck no you know there there was doom and stuff like that and people talked about doing doom deathmatch but it was kind of a pain to set it up and the fact that apple talk was so easy I think I was like I went to school and was telling everybody about it, and a bunch of people said I was lying <laughs> <laughs> because they were like, "Oh, well, you just have a Mac. You're trying to feel 
feel better about yourself because <laughs> you have a Mac. <laughs> and, this was and, still pre-Quake and stuff by a year or two, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 94. And uh, yeah, that's that's how I got into Bungie. Uh, I didn't really know who they were because I was pretty young at the time. But, you know, I I bought Marathon 2. I bought Marathon Infinity. And, and then I, I kind of missed Myth for the most part. But uh, got Oni and, and then Halo was coming out and everybody was super excited about it. And I remember going to my friends and being like, this is the people. These are the guys that I was trying to tell you guys about. And, yeah, that's that's basically my story. I... Uh, I, I lurked a lot on Bungie.org. I was even on the Marathon story page because I got stuck in Marathon Infinity way back in the day and uh, never really posted anything. I looked up the other day, my first post on any Bungie.org site was in 2002, and it's a very embarrassing post that I'm not going to share. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Wait, Everybody find it. We'll have to have a prize for someone who finds, the, finds it first. But... Uh, but yeah, uh, I I think I have I think when I checked I think I had six messages total on almost all of Halo.bungie.org. Wow, and then when when Destiny came out or was announced, uh, a kind of the same thing as Speed Racer, I realized this is my chance to get in kind of on the ground level and and uh, feel it and on a new site, be on a new forum. So I jumped in and uh, I think. I posted within the first day that DBO was launched and haven't looked back since. Well, then you organized a bunch of those Halo nights in the months leading up to Destiny 2. I did, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like we all have pretty similar stories. I started uh, not Marathon 1. I started with Marathon 2, and I didn't play Marathon 1 for until years later. Um, but I remember when I got Marathon Infinity, I, the very first it, – it, I was so excited – that it arrived. Uh, I popped it in, and the very first thing I did was I started playing with Forge. Oh, yeah. I didn't actually play the game for days because I was just, I was in Forge, and it came with these um, videos. They actually had screencast videos that, um, I forget even who narrated them. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, one of the big names at Bungie. And you could go through and watch how Forge worked. And so I remember watching those and then, Saying, okay, I'm going to build my own little, you know, map. And they all sucked. But, uh, yeah, did I, I managed to, uh, I got really into myth. Um, me and then one of my dad, I got my dad into myth too. He, he never, he doesn't do first person shooters. He's just not into them. But he got into myth pretty fiercely with me. And he had a coworker who he and his sons all played myth. And, um, uh, I remember like one of the Mac worlds, like Boston or something, Bungie was selling myth, myth t-shirts. And so my dad's coworker picked up, picked up a myth t-shirt for me. So I, I had like a, you know, terrifying thrall on my t-shirt <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely got into myth and then did the whole halo thing and sort of converted a bunch of friends. I, I don't know how many Xboxes I ended up like being the cause of purchase for <laughs> we we had a fair number of, we started doing land parties i was like me and another friend and then the next one somebody would show up be like yeah i bought an xbox too and uh you know we're gonna hook this up and then eventually we had like five or six xboxes um so that was great but yeah we did that and then yeah college was a little tricky but the advent of xbox live i think helped a lot oh yeah um I actually met, it's really bizarre, I, one of my good friends, um, 
old fire thief actually he he and i met playing halo at college he i was i was in one dorm and he was with another buddy in another dorm and we were like the only two people who had xboxes and we could play halo against each other so we did head to head and um at the time i was much better than than fire thief he he got he got good pretty quickly <laughs> but um at the time we did two two v one and we'd do like these two v one death matches up to like some crazy amount of points and i remember the, the next year so this was like freshman year we never actually met and then the next year i was walking upstairs to my dorm different dorm and this guy like our neighbor a couple down like some overheard us and one of my roommates said something about bjorn and he's like dude you're bjorn <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, he's like he, he used to go by Icarist. That was his his name. He's like I'm Icarist. Like we played with the so and so, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. We had like the, we did those those matches against each other. We had a great time, and so we just hit it off, uh, and still friends, and uh, so that was like really cool. Got my sister into Halo, which then she married a guy she met playing Halo, <laughs> and that was well. awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, they they dated for like seven years or longer I forget uh, and yeah so it, it there have been a lot of Xboxes sold through like me playing with people and and sort of setting up just like it's fun to play with people and so that was what was really cool about Destiny for me when it originally launched was uh, the idea of just more bringing people in because that's when I had my most fun Halo got sort of not boring but. Uh, it sort of fell out of favor for me when when it was just me playing. I, I could go through the missions. I played legendary and was like, okay, that's great. But um, when you're able to play with friends, that makes all the difference. And I've put clocked a lot of hours on on Destiny so far. <laughs> <laughs> Should we compare? No, no. I, I'm, I'm sure you five guardians and yeah. If you got if you got six fate bringers, you're ahead of me by four. <laughs> We shouldn't really, we really shouldn't start measuring our time on Destiny by the number of favorite right. we have. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, we. That, I think somebody that played half the hours could have more than us. That's yeah. the problem. That's true. It's all about luck of the roll. Well, Blue Runner just got his first a couple weeks ago, right? I've only ever gotten one, and I've beaten hard Vault of Glass probably a dozen times. Well, and I, I've actually collected at least 10 that there's been twice that i got two fate bringers on one drop on vault of glass oh my gosh <laughs> and everybody else hates you yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well hey if, if i didn't have my hawkman yet i would be just you know i'd be just like cody right there with him i'd be still wanting about the hawkman yeah i can't <laughs> believe i actually have a hawkman on playstation of all the things i have monte carlo and i have hawkman and my other exotics are purchased from zur and then, like, I think I got a Red Death one time, but... you have a Fourth Horseman? No, I don't. That one's fun. Yeah, that's what I hear. Looking forward to it on Xbox, which, that's coming up. I mean, yeah. Taking King, right? That's that's when yeah. it all switches over. Yeah. Six weeks, it. it'll be... Some way we'll be able to get it. I, I highly doubt it's just gonna... Right. All of a sudden, there's gonna be selling one of them week one, but... No, I, it'll, I, be, it'll be really interesting, though, to see, especially Hawkmoon in PvP... Uh, because over on PlayStation, it is such a different beast. It, it plays differently than any other hand cannon on Xbox. I, I think it's the most distinctive sounding gun in the game, honestly. Yeah, it's got a great More sound. More so than Thorn? Yeah, Thorn's yeah. sort of subtle, right? I mean, Thorn's Hawk, got the crack. Yeah. 
Yeah, but when when Hawk, Hawk Moon, Moon, you can hear across the map. It's yeah, like, oh yeah, no that problem. guy's got a Hawk Moon. <laughs> He's gonna try to headshot you across the map. Well, and, that, and that's one reason I was never annoyed by the limited exclusivity uh, for Xbox is because Taken King is now a bigger expansion for me because of it. And since it's such a small amount of content, I was never really that concerned about it. So it's like, oh, now my now this Taken King expansion is going to be just that much better. Yeah, it includes two extra strikes, two extra maps. Yeah. It'll be fun yeah, to see uh, how, how all that... The Xbox community is going to have a lot of fun, I think, with just the, quote, new content on top of all the actual new content. Well, well and they're I mean, also going to change up the maps a little bit too, right? Like, aren't they releasing uh, one of the strikes and changing it up? Apparently, both of the exclusive strikes are going to have a Taken variant where yes. it's the same strike, but you play against the Taken. Um, but I'm pretty sure they said that they're going to maintain the the current version as well. As well yeah, it'll as be like a menu version. select option. Well, it'll be interesting to see though if the old versions ever show up in weekly strikes. Oh yeah, that would be interesting. I don't yeah. see why they wouldn't, right? So, so one thing I don't think we've talked about yet because this was last week is the the foundries. We didn't talk about the foundries, and since we're talking about weapons, just a minute ago, we didn't talk about foundries, did we? No. I guess this is why we have you know. a little bit. But I don't think I had to do it with the weapons. <laughs> no, because I would have waxed on and on about. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm very excited about the dreadnought stuff. But uh, I kind of knew going into it they were going to be a little bit more hinty at it about right. it. Then, oh yeah, and, and we don't show want some them pretty to pictures, be... but not talk too much. Yeah, and, and on that note, I'm actually I'm a little torn. You know, they they obviously said they're going to do another stream. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch the stream. Yep. I was feeling. I think I might want to go in dark. Absolutely agreed. Actually, I think I don't think I'm going to watch it. The problem is, Bjorn. Some of us are going to have to watch it if we're going to do a podcast about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll let Levi handle that since he's not here to defend himself. (laughs) Levi and Claude, you are nominated, and everybody that agrees, say aye, 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 aye. Motion carries. But yeah, uh, <laughs> this is so a, I, was, I like this dictatorship. This is good. <laughs> hey, that was that was all democracy. I was, I was going <laughs> to make a joke. Um, weren't we talking on the forums about how Xenos was supposed to get rid of Claude when he came on as an admin? And I, <laughs> right. I was going to make a joke that I'm Claude's replacement, but I couldn't think of a good way to do it. Nah, you you got to have a better beard. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, my point was the the foundries are were were a lot more detailed than i was expecting i was expecting just pictures of weapons and we actually got quite a bit of information yeah, from I like, that update yeah like the the description the idea that each foundry has a unique um, philosophy philo- thank you exactly philosophy and uh, and and me and speed have talked about this quite a bit uh, i love the look of amalon and hake the most and i'm not a big fan of the suros design because of Heathen. the plastic shell looking thing on all the guns but the the philosophy behind Suros I love the fact that it's designed to be or that all the guns are designed to be a versatile weapon that you can just change a couple of talents and it goes from being like for example a really good long range scout rifle to a, a pretty decent medium range scout rifle I love that idea mm. because I know Right now, pretty much the only option we have is a really long-range scope, which most people never use, or the super super short-range scope that people leave on 90% of the time. And uh, one of the things 
I remember l- seeing from uh, E3 is you can actually see that uh, there's long range scopes that have that highlight enemies that are within the ideal range to shoot them at. Oh, really? Like uh, sort of like death cam, you get that red outline, but like uh, and, a different sort of effect. And I'm not sure because I just saw the the perk oh, okay. on one of the guns, but uh, yeah, it highlights them in some way. So basically, if they're you know beyond the drop-off point, I would imagine they're not highlighted. That made me kind of think of Forza and how you can turn on the the arrows on the track to show yeah. you if you're when to speed down, speed up, and slow down. And, and I, I like that concept for for the scope on a on a gun like that. It teaches you how to use it. So even though even though I don't really like the the kind of plasticky look of Suros, I'm I'm actually really excited to use them. I still have to say they look pretty good. I'm looking at them right now. Oh yeah, they still yeah. look good. It's just out of the out of the three shown, I think they were my least favorite looking. Yeah, we were we were having fun in the the chat talking about the different weapon foundries and comparing them to different car makers or motorcycles. And uh, I was saying the Suros is definitely the the Honda Bullet bike. The uh, Hockey is your Harley Davidson, and Omelon is your BMW touring bike. <laughs> yeah, I go with that. Really? BMW Turing? Oh, looks-wise. That makes sense. Because the description is like uh, experimental, bordering on irresponsible, which BMW Turing bike doesn't exactly fit that description. (laughs) Maybe not Turing, but I mean, BMW is the ultimate driving machine. They're they're more experimental with, I think, their... Anyways. I I think I I countered by comparing it to Tesla. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he did. I I really like that Amalan sniper rifle. There's something about... At first, I was a little off put by because it's just like a giant rectangle block yeah. thing um but sort of the the more i looked at it and and then the way it looks in game uh it's pretty distinctive and i just i love the the look of it well i was I, a little we, disappointed i think maybe this is what xenos is going to say but we we had talked about how they didn't show any of the omelon ones that were kind of just a frame and back during uh e3 when we saw some of that footage coming out there were the, the omelon scout rifle that Right, yeah, framey in nature. Yeah, and the scout they show here is very different. And I, and I and hope it, that means the frame version isn't gone. And going off into into speculation here, when they posted the artist pages, uh, I think it was this week for each of the basically a ton of Bungie artists. The guy that designed the Amalan weapons, or at least helped design them, had both guns on his page, and one of them was called Amalan Rifle A, and one of them was called Amalan Rifle B. So I'm hoping that that means there's going to be more than one version, not just perk-wise and everything, but looks-wise. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. For each of these foundries. If, if they really are having more weapons in the Taken King being introduced than the entire rest of the game has right now, yeah, like it, there's no other way to go about it than to have a whole product line. Now, what do you guys think the chances are, obviously, with, with them showing the pictures they, they did, and they're fairly plain-looking, with that look like they could be modified a bit. And we know if we look at the the community wish list that Deej and now Cosmo are maintaining, weapon shaders are one of the top three or four items. You guys think there's any chance weapon shaders are coming with these weapons? I think it's possible. I think uh, with that kind of feature, they'd probably hold off in announcing it. Mm-hmm. And, and they may not even announce it ahead of time. That wouldn't surprise me. But uh, I think if we're going to hear about that, it's going to be a lot closer to the launch. Yeah, you are right though. They they are very plain and <clears throat> they they look like a a fresh canvas. Exactly. 
and it makes more sense with uh, these sort of produced weapons that we would be able to customize their color as opposed to a thorn that we find out in the woods that has you know some sort of history behind it right. well, absolutely even a lot of the the non-exotic weapons in in Destiny feel like we're we're getting somebody's used gun, like it's been Ooh. well well used. And uh, I don't really get that impression with these guns at all. They look like it looks like the foundry is literally giving them to you right off the line. Yeah, the ship up on those uh, on the ships going to the tower. Yeah, I especially got that impression with the hockey stuff, and and if you notice too, a lot of the that weekly update you talked about the foundries the pictures that the kind of the, sh- the art that they showed right next to the in-game screenshots in almost every instance the gun that was being held by a guardian in the in-game screenshot had the same frame but had a little bit different of a for lack of a better word shader on top of it yeah yeah well like you mean so specifically i'm looking here the the titan shooting the uh the hockey auto rifle is very sort of tan and white colored and the weapon that he's holding is the same color Mm -hmm. but if you look uh especially uh suros if you look at suros they're just white in the concept pictures Mm -hmm. and then if you look at the guns they're holding they have details on them and i mean if you look at like for example the the rocket launcher like the back half of the rocket launcher is completely covered by like a dragon look yeah icon well in the hockey shotgun the one they show there and the one that that hunter is holding while sliding definitely has more color to it. And that could just be, you know, I I would think that maybe it's just a difference of this is the plain model and we added the art later. But I, I get I get a notion that we are going to be able to make these look a little bit more how we want them to look. And I hope so. That'd be that'd be really cool. Um, I think another thing that's interesting about this, which came out. Uh, this week, or was it right after the update last week, is GameStop accidentally announced the Suros <laughs> pre-order pack, and everybody guessed by the wording that it was a GameStop exclusive, <laughs> and it turns out that it's not a GameStop exclusive. Everybody that pre-orders the game is going to get it, which is super exciting to me, because it means we're going to have some of the Foundry weapons to try at the start. And then on top of that, like if you if you go to Amazon, I think it's one of the ones that shows it, they also show hockey weapons that you get uh, for pre-ordering. So it sounds like we're going to get like up to six weapons right out of the bat that we get to try to see kind of what their new gun philosophy is on day one, which right. is really cool. I wonder if given uh, the description of the perks uh, that you mentioned earlier, if Part of that will be to help people coming onto Destiny for the first time get uh, sort of an arsenal, but also an arsenal that can be kind of switched up and changed and teach them how to use the guns. Yeah, they possible. learn that they like one perk more than another. Yeah, I mean, if you have a if you have a scout rifle that is can be changed on the fly between a you know a closer range or a longer range weapon more easily. Mm-hmm. Then it's a weapon that's that's a bit more useful. You don't you don't have to to acquire two different scout rifles, right? And level up two different scout rifles, right? Exactly, right? Right at the beginning, as you're as, as you're thinking the entire time, gosh, I wish I could catch up to every other guardian that's around me. And yeah, and quite frankly, yeah, that's exactly how I felt on PlayStation Four because I started late. Oh, I technically started. I my PlayStation Four disc arrived, and then my Xbox disc arrived a couple hours later. <laughs> so my <laughs> 
my PlayStation four warlock sat at level four for like five months. Um, and yeah, when I came back, I was way behind the curve. Well, and, and even, even for people that are already in the game, um, the only way reason to switch up guns a lot of time is just for variety. Cause I mean, I think like we all talked about fate bringers are go to PVE gun. Mm-hmm. We're I'm using fate bringer probably 70% of the time that I'm, that I'm playing PVE, if not more. And the fact that they're going to make these guns more interesting, I think is going to entice people to use them more often, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I love my fate bringer. Don't get me wrong, but I do feel like it's kind of added a blandness to the the play style of both PVP and PVE when there's only really a couple good options to choose from and everything else is, is good, but it's just not quite up to snuff. With Absolutely. The stuff in the game. The, you know, most of the missions I do, um, especially if it's a nightfall or something, I'll I'll go in with a different scout rifle or something that I just want to try playing around with a bit. But I reach a point halfway through that mission where, like, especially if I'm shooting thrall coming at me or something, like if I if I had my fate bringer, these guys would all be exploding with firefly and explosive rounds, and I'd be killing five per shot instead of the scout rifle that's taking two shots to kill each one. And so I end up switching halfway through the the mission, and that happens almost all the time. Yep. I like that idea, though, uh, Arendelle, that uh, sort of fast-tracking the new people and giving, like, the full full taste of the the spectrum because they are, I think, really trying to get some new players. Like, they're not going to settle for the current player base. They want to add new players, and you've got to do something to make the gameplay okay for those people who have not been playing for a year and they need to feel that they've got an equal you know hand in in their characters because otherwise it wouldn't be any fun well and they have to do it without like you know handing them the game and then handing them a galahorn on day one right either right those they're gonna they're gonna upset the upset the existing player base that will happen to somebody somebody be like yeah i never played destiny before and i got this uh, galahorn thing is it any good <laughs> well, the the funny thing is, though, it'll be nerfed at that point. So, even yeah. when people say stuff like "Oh, I got uh, Dragon's Breath," we'll be like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's great. That's great rocket launcher too." I still have yet to shoot mine. It's it's fun. You need to do it. I think I'll hold out as long as it'll be like a podcast joke. <laughs> How many years can Bjorn go without firing his Dragon's Breath? <laughs> I, I'm actually, I am dead serious with this. I'm planning to switch to that as my main heavy damage dealer after the Taken King comes out. Does it have a really big blast radius, like initial hit? It's, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not sure because it's, it's blast radius is mostly the, you know, the, the solar, basically the solar grenade that the, mm-hmm. the warlock has, so. It's it's pretty big. I mean, it's it's definitely not small. I, I actually, yeah. But speaking about new people getting guns, I even have have a couple of friends that don't play as much as us crazy DBOish play, and just getting those six guns is probably going to double the number of legendary guns that they have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so Arendelle, what's your what is your primary weapon of choice, like archetype? Oh, scout rifle. Why is that? I was going to ask you whether you meant PvP or PvE, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> scout rifle. Um, I'm. I try to be a more 
methodical, slower player that doesn't like to get into the chaos of things. Um, I have a brother who also plays Destiny, and and plays uh, and played Halo. And back then, he was he was still better than me. But uh, when when Bungie started releasing the stats on uh, kill distance, my kill distance was twice what his was. Um, whatever metric they were using. And it's held true for Destiny 2. I prefer to kill at a much uh, longer distance than close. Now, that said, I also play as a sun singer, and I love slapping people. So, <laughs> Got that change up, yeah. How about you, Speed Racer? Oh, hand cannon. It's not even close. For both both uh, game types? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember back in the... I don't remember if it was the alpha or the beta. I wanted to like the hand cannons and just didn't feel like they were doing enough damage, so I was scout rifle. And then when the game came out, I thought I'd be a scout rifle user because of that. But the hand cannons had been bumped up to where maybe maybe they should have been. Maybe they were a little too powerful. But now when I'm when I'm on PlayStation, it's either Hawkmoon or Fatebringer almost all the time. You just wish you could dual wield them. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to. I mean, they do, they do so much damage. I, I still would love to see dual wielding hand cannons, like yeah. one that does like. Bonus body damage, one that does bonus precision damage, or something like that. Could be like I, a sidearm. I still thing. use scout rifles a fair amount um, when I want to change things up, and and like Arendelle, my style is I like to hang back and shoot things from a distance and not get up into the heat of the battle. That's that's why I'm a hunter at heart. At the same time, though, these hand cannons can kill from a distance. So, do you think that's going to change uh, in a month? <sighs> I don't think so. I think. I think hand cannons are still going to be the death machines. I mean, they're. I think I might have to get a f- about ten feet closer to continue what I'm doing with mm-hmm. them. Ten or twenty feet closer, but that's about it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's mostly to stop the really crazy people in Crucible that just kind of sit back with a sniper and a hand cannon and never get never get anywhere close to it at all. And then snipe with the hand cannon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do in Iron Banner when I'm trying to get that Iron Wrath bounty, and I can't just sit back by my spawn with Thorn and just tag people and get assists all day long. Oh, is that the, uh, is that the that's strategy? That's how you get your... Absolutely, yeah. I, oh, I, I try to that. keep two or three of my Dang. teammates near me. See, I'm not that and smart. I'll just, I'll just ping them, and I try to get some kills, but Thorn is the, Thorn is the reason I get Iron Wrath almost every night. I usually play... I, normally and at a certain point i'll think i haven't died in a while am i on a streak <laughs> that's the way to end it right there yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. shocked in the face by those terrible void walkers see i uh <laughs> my plan is always wait till heavy comes out see if i get a heavy streak and then end it with a, a super <laughs> that's my plan every every time <laughs> yeah i'm definitely a scout rifle person might might a multi-tool i feel like it was made for me uh, it, I, I, love just, I, I wish it hit a little harder. I I keep trying it in PvP, and uh, it's just not not quite there. Just ask, what do you use in PvP? Well, so like if I'm playing Trials, it's Thorn because I have to. It's it's almost the only <clears throat> only game in town because I can't. We talked about this before, but I'm not that great with last word. I've been practicing, you know, I've been trying to get a little better, but. Uh, Thorn, it just has that crazy impact, and you can fire it pretty quickly, and it's so precise. Um, For the record, last word users are just as evil as Thorn users. Yeah, I, I use both, but yeah. Um, yeah but I, if, I, if so I had bad. my druthers, if, if, I, if I felt like the weapons were mostly equal, um, it's, not even, it's not even the poison damage, really, for Thorn that's, that bothers me. It's the 
long distance, crazy high impact precision because yeah. it hits like a sniper rifle. Almost. Well, it, I, I would say it's the, it's that plus the poison. Cause it, it's like, and it's so it, disorienting the poison. Right. Well, no, especially yeah. on like Pantheon. Yeah. You know, we run to that sniper lane. I like to snipe. And so I'll go in that sniper lane. I'll get hit once and back off and notice I'm burning. And I'm like, what sniper rifle has a persistent <laughs> damage burning? Exactly. And then I realize, oh, that was Thorn. Yeah. So if, if I'm, I'm fully expecting, and this may not actually pan out, but I'm expecting that uh, after the Taken King launches, I'm going to probably switch to mostly switch back to scout rifle as my primary and use Mida like in, in trials because I really love the precision and I always I do like to hang back, but the the agility boost is yeah. huge. I like getting from point A to point B quickly in and out. I can you know get if if I know there's a bad situation coming, I see like that Titan charging me. You know I can. I can jump backwards and gets me just that much further away. Yeah. And I, I'm definitely a hand cannon person. And I think uh, probably the thing I love the most about it is it's by far the most accurate gun while you're jumping. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as, as a gunslinger being my primary, that's, that's just enough boost that if I damage someone, but I'm damaged too, I'll jump towards them. And finish him off up close. And see, I'm, I jump away. <laughs> I never jump towards. So I, I, I just, uh, I, so I got, I, I got Jewel of Osiris last week, um, a solar Jewel of Osiris hand cannon, and I, it, it has the perk on it that when you are moving through the air, it has increased accuracy. I want that. It's yeah. the only gun I have that has it, and I wasn't sure how that would play out because I even though I know better than to, I try to jump and shoot stuff and it hits, I don't know, like 5% of the time. Maybe it's, you sort of have to like aim away and hope that it's going to purposefully miss into the thing you're trying to actually hit. (laughs) But, um, it it was awesome. Like I just unlocked the perk. Uh, and I, I only played a couple games, but I was in the iron banner and I'd like charge in and I would go right at a guy. I'd be in the middle of the air and I just, just bam, bam, and I can hit him two or three times while I'm in the air before he's even expecting it. You just don't get that precision because he's expecting. You know, I'm I'm closing, and he's expecting it's going to be a shotgun or something. So that's what he's going for, mm-hmm. and the precision hits from the you know that closing distance is such a big deal. Yep. So is that a perk that is different than the other weapons that have the increased precision in the air? No, no. I just don't have any others that do it. It's the same one, but sometimes perks are more useful on one archetype than another yeah because i got that on a scout rifle once and i went and i tested it and it it didn't help hardly at all well and and part of the thing is and this is this is tested online is hand cannons are the most accurate in the air um all right like just to begin with right scout rifles just have a huge drop in accuracy when you jump and everything does but the hand cannons are just a significant amount less i mean what i do is uh, when I say I jump towards people is I basically use the last one or two shots like a shotgun. So it's like if they are pretty much filling my screen, that's when I pull the trigger. And what gun are you using? It works. I use Fulcrum. Okay. Fulcrum's my crucible baby that's when a, I'm not playing trials. That's a great gun. So I will say this about, about scout rifles, that I, I, I do use a fair number of hand cannons. And part of that is that I they're a little bit better uh, in particular in, in PvP. Um, but they're also just more fun. They have more fun perks or more interesting perks. I mean, mm-hmm. there aren't 
like you can get Firefly on a, on a scout rifle, but there's nothing like what Fatebringer has. Can you actually get fate, a Firefly anymore? Uh, not on oh. on hand cannons, but you can on. Oh, scout they rifles. only pulled it off of hand cannons. Okay. Yeah. So there's not. I mean, like I would love to have a damage over time, even if it was really minor on a scout rifle, because that's one of the things I love about about Thorn is being able to track a person after I've hit them once. Because yeah. uh, I can land <laughs> a running around the corner on them as long as I know where they've landed or where they've stopped, mm-hmm. and that, and that's actually uh, just that poison is a big part of the reason I started using Red Death in trials a lot more is because if I can finish the other guy off when you don't have Red Death, a lot of times you burn to death or somebody else finishes you off because your shield's not recharging, and just having the fact that you stop burning <laughs> is such a big deal. When- um, when you are burning and you finish off someone with red death, does it just stop the burn or does it actually actively heal you? It oh, just it heals you almost immediately. It, it depends. Sometimes it'll only stop the burn and sometimes it'll heal you. And I haven't been able to figure out why. Uh, as a thorn user, and I, I, I don't, I'm not proud of that. You know, like I said, if I'm on PlayStation, <laughs> I use Hawkmoon. Um, but I do use thorn primarily on Xbox and, there's nothing that makes me more mad as a thorn user than dying to when I know that that guy was like one tick away from being poisoned to death, and I see his health bar just immediately start increasing. <laughs> yeah. But, no yeah, fusion I, rifle, love. I, I want to like scout rifles more, and but I, I'm I'm excited to love fusion rifles again. I know a lot of people are worried about the nerfs, but I'm because of the shotgun nerfs. I'm fully expecting to use fusion rifles again. So. I'm, I'm not convinced that it's like, as I read it, I still think that shotguns aren't getting nerfed enough and fusion rifles really aren't getting buffed. They're just getting tweaked a little bit. And I think shotguns are still going to be king. You don't, you don't think a 70% decrease in advantage is going to be enough? Is that the 70% decrease in what? Yeah. The, I can't remember which one it is. It's either rage find range finder or uh, what's the other one shot, shot package is getting, decreased by like 70 percent. i guess but it's it's i don't know the damage is only getting decreased by 10 percent. and the thing about the, the reason i don't think it's going to affect fusion rifles too much is because even though shotguns are getting nerfed a, a decent amount fusion rifles to me that still is a little bit of a nerf because you're gonna have to be even more precise with your you know i haven't i haven't read it in a while but my problem with fusion rifles currently i felt like they were kind of just taking that a step further instead of backing off and and making them better again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just because of the way they worded it. I'm I'm pretty convinced that fusion rifles are going to take back the place that they lost when uh, those perks became the big deal with shotguns. Yeah, and, I hope so. And I could I be wrong. Really we'll find out. So I'm thinking that shotguns are still going to remain a pretty big deal because there are a lot of maps where you run into people around a corner mm-hmm. like that just exists on there's not there's not a blood gulch or there's not a common you know similar sort of uh, sort of map where there is and nobody likes it it's called sky shock i love that map oh i love that map too <laughs> Every, everyone map. else i know hates it they're like and that game never finishes and i was like i know i love a 20 minute game that feels slow because i get to snipe across the map exactly oh, but i think sorry. the shotguns are almost always going to be in the majority of people's second slot in a yeah. small, especially in a 6v6. You know, when I go into Trials of Osiris and uh, I'm, I'm 
I'm Irindell. I've never made it to the lighthouse, so take any of my comments with a grain of salt. Uh, but people don't use shotguns as much because nobody is running around corners blindly with a with a red mark on their radar. Right. Um, you you use shotguns if you need to take out a Sunsinger that just came back, right? And there are some maps where you can still do it, but you know the idea is it is slower, so shotguns aren't used as much. But in a six v six, you know, in a regular small map, like there's just enough chaos, you're going to die to shotguns left and right. Right. And I, and I, I, sorry, I was wrong. I got the numbers inverted. It's being reduced by thirty percent for shot package. Okay. And from twenty percent to five percent for rangefinder. Yeah. Well, the thing is, shotguns don't have a charge time. Fusion right. rifles do. So well, the yeah, only time fusion rifles are going to excel is if they have a crazy range where well, but, that charge time is mitigated by the fact that they can hit you from a lot further away. Well, and I, and I, I'm I not convinced that'll be the case. I disagree for one reason, which is the problem, the real problem, because I was a, I still to this day have more kills with fusion rifles in Crucible than with any other special weapon. That was the class of weapons that I used in in Crucible. Um, but then, of course, uh, Fellwinter's Lie happened, and yeah. it just wasn't viable anymore. But the thing is, the real reason why fusion rifles were great before that was not because uh, of the... not just because of the distance. It was because you could survive a shotgun blast and then hit them. So it was the fact that they would pull the trigger because they saw you charging, and they wouldn't be able to finish you off. And Fellwinter... Changed that because you died instead of living with just a little bit of health, and just reducing it by thirty percent is going to be a huge deal because at the extreme range that Felwinter can kill you now, I can survive and I can kill you with my fusion rifle, and I'm super super excited about that. Because I absolutely hope you're right. Yeah, we'll see. We could both of us could be wrong. We'll, we'll find out. So Irindel brought up something that I was going to ask about, and I wasn't sure how to, how to segue into it. But since he he said the magic word, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to spend a few minutes and just sort of get some reads from you guys on the the lighthouse, the idea of the lighthouse, what it takes to get there, um, what, what your thoughts about it are. Are you bringing this up because you just made it there this last week? No, no, no. I've been meaning to talk <laughs> about it. To brag. <laughs> I, I've been meaning to talk about it. Um, and. Can- yeah, this this is a pretty good group because two of us have made it to the lighthouse and two of us have not made it to the lighthouse. Right, I figured it would be a good good discussion topic. Who wants to go first? I feel like as the person that's been there the most, I should probably wait to hear what you guys think. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that! Because he just he just brilliantly yeah. like yeah, you just yeah. took that away from you. <laughs> I slept and I woke up and I was just I was at the lighthouse. It was amazing. Did 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 Speed Racer just get dropped? I think he just got dropped. That's too bad. <laughs> and banned. That's weird. <laughs> I gotta say, I was very impressed last Saturday. I, uh, I think we were doing a raid or something, and as I was going to bed, I thought, "Oh yeah, they're doing li- they're doing trials." I'm gonna jump on Twitch and see see how they're doing. And I got on with just enough time to see you guys win two and a half rounds of your final match and go straight to the lighthouse. So I was pretty impressed, you guys. Went seven and zero without hardly dropping around. So that was the most bizarre thing. I've I've played not a lot, a fair amount of trials, um, and I, nothing nothing in Destiny or any other game I've played I think has been so soul crushing as <laughs> Trials of Osiris. It is just unreal how how much of a mood swing I have <laughs> when I play that game. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, so like last week we we were just talking about it. And we said, yeah, let's let's see if we can, you know, let's make a stab at it. And fully expecting that it's going to be like every other time I've played Trials, which has just been hard. It's always been hard, and it's always been just heartbreaking whenever we get close enough and then just get crushed. Usually, it's different to go like six or you know like five or six games and then get stomped on versus just getting stomped all morning, which is what happened to me yesterday. And I don't know if you saw the stream yesterday. It was as opposite as it could be from last week. <laughs> Um, and then we signed out and we were playing and we were all doing pretty okay. Uh, no one like ran away with all the kills or was carrying anybody else. It was completely just luck of the draw with who we happened to get matched with. And I think a little bit of the benefit was, uh, the, the changing of the maps. It was a little more variant. I feel like maybe people decided to come in and, and play because it was, it was map potpourri, uh, rather than yeah. just one um, that, you know, certain people are really, really good on certain maps. And yeah, I was really, I was shocked at how well we did last week. And it, it almost felt like, I don't know, like cheating or something. It was, it was, <laughs> it was just so such a cakewalk for us when the same group of people have been through and we've had such a hard time. Um, we, we, we didn't bleed that round, you know, going through, we just, sort of walk through it and I it was very strange to me and I and I wonder what the matchmaking system looks like behind the scenes I don't know why that time was so dramatically different than everything else we've played so this is something I've wondered about with the lighthouse like I love the idea that there is this uh, hard thing to achieve right um, I enjoy things that are not like oh if I just play it twice I'll make it right um, but having come close especially like last night I heard about that yeah, we we went. I think we had all the boons, but it was we went eight and one, and then and then stopped because um, we had everything we wanted. And but it was it was a cakewalk. Like we were coming across teams that just were not difficult. Like there was one team that like it went the the games went long. Uh, they were they were highly defensive and and good at it, uh, but it, it wasn't hard. And then we come across a team that just like cleans cleans us out right. Um, I'm kind of wondering from people who have made it to the lighthouse, whether when they finally got to the lighthouse, if they felt like they just got all the right people and it wasn't hard or whether they felt like they had achieved something or was it like you just played trials of Osiris enough times that you finally got nine straight easy teams. I I don't feel that way at all. Um, every time I've gotten there, it's felt like an achievement. I've had some that were kind of a cakewalk, but even still because it's trials, your heart's pounding and it feels tense. And then I've had somewhere every single match went to four to four and four, and it was coming down to you know long matches. And I had one probably three weeks ago with uh, Squid and Zero, I think it was, and we all agreed that that was like the toughest ticket we had ever had. Uh, and we got to the lighthouse at the end of it, but it was just yeah. we couldn't go more than two seconds without panicking. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like that's what it, that's what it should be, and that's mm. what I love about trials. I, I've 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 had some 0 and 3 tickets too. You know, I've been to the lighthouse, you know, I don't want to say only because I know more than you guys, but six or seven times maybe. Um two or three of those on Xbox and the rest on PlayStation. And a lot of the time I'll I'll have maybe one or two matches where I kind of led the team, but that's that's more rare. I'm not the strongest player. Um usually when I run it, I'm running with Otter Mac or Corny or 
or squid or zero. I'm, I'm running with some of the people that, that are really good at PvP. But one thing I love about Trials is I honestly don't feel like being really good at PvP is the main component to doing well in Trials. It's all about the team. And most of the times I've been to the Lighthouse, we'll start out with one team. We'll go, we'll play three, four, five games, losing most of them. But finally, usually around that fourth or fifth game, it clicks. We all know when it clicks. And when it clicks, we go back to the reef, get a new ticket, and go from there, and usually get to the lighthouse on that second ticket. Uh, I was playing last week with Xenos and Corny, and I think we got to eight and one. But we, we felt like we were all clicking well enough that we wanted to do it again as a team the next week. And it's, it's so much more about teamwork. And you can have one person that, that maybe is a little too aggressive, but as long as the team knows how to make sure that they can revive that guy, um, I, I just it is, if you if you're meshing well as a team, even if you're outmatched skill wise by the other team, you have a chance. Unless you know you're facing three blade dancers that are going to blink shotgun and just lag you know, their way across the map, fly across the map. You know they're they're in your spawn point two seconds after the match starts. You know yeah. sometimes you just get steamrolled, and that's all there is to it. And the only thing you can hope is that you don't get steamrolled twice in a row, which has happened and. And definitely there's some luck involved. I, I don't feel like any time that I got to the lighthouse that we weren't at least blessed a little bit by getting lucky with some easier opponents. Well, and I think, so I, as somebody that hasn't made it, the, I, I kind of feel like I have a different perspective than, than Speed Racer on it. Uh, like, uh, I, I really enjoy Trials. I do. But I also really hate Trials. And I think me and Bjorn have talked about that quite a bit. It's it's the most fun PvP experience in 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 Destiny, and it's also the most frustrating PvP experience maybe in any game I've ever played. And uh, and so it's it's really it's really strange to me because I'm really excited to finally make it to the lighthouse one day, but I kind of get the sense that once I do, I may never play it again. And <laughs> done and out. I talked well, to Zero, and that seems to be his his thought. Yeah. Well, and, like, nope, and I did it. <laughs> and there's an interesting thought behind it, which is the reason I think that is because like a raid, you feel like you're always making progress. And even when you're bashing your head against Crota, you know, you learn something every time. But trials so often is just, I don't know what we could have done there. We just, we got steamrolled. And those just completely deflate you, even if you had seven wins in a row, which I've had. if you had or, seven wins in a row. Seven wins, counting the boons, of course. Right. Seven wins would get you to the lighthouse. Um, but uh, even if you had, you know, five, seven wins in a row, you still feel just completely crushed when you get beat. And and I and it's because of the way it's set up. And so I just can't imagine, even when I make it and I'm so excited about it, I just can't imagine being like, and I'm going to try and do that as often as I can. Um no. Which is a really interesting experience, being that it is so fun, that it can be so rewarding, even when I haven't made it to the lighthouse. <laughs> it's it's just a strange experience I've never experienced in another game. And that's what they wanted to do with the mode, and I think they succeeded. But For yeah. me, because I don't I don't feel the same pressure. I don't I haven't I've been to the lighthouse, so I don't feel quite as much pressure to get there. It I still enjoy it, even if even when we lose, you know, as long as we're playing well and winning more more of our matches. I feel like I enjoy trials maybe even more because I don't have that in- intense pressure. I have a healthy amount of pressure and panic while we're playing. 
Um, so maybe you're different than me, but I, I feel like once you get to the lighthouse, you'll probably be able to sit back and say, I'm going to just enjoy trials for what it is and not necessarily getting that emblem. I, I hope so. I honestly do. I really do. And I actually think that's probably kind of true because I think one of the reasons or one of the things that makes it a little bit hard or pressure for me when I'm playing is that there's usually one other person on the team, at least, that hasn't made it to the Light Lighthouse either. So uh-huh. as as a team that's trying to be as cohesive as possible and, and talking and, and coordinating, when that breaks down, you feel bad, right? Yeah. You, you, yeah. you, you lose because the other team just, they didn't just headshot you better. They, they were a better team than you. Um, and when I'm playing with people who have all made it to the lighthouse, then it's just me. Like, I'm failing myself. I'm not failing them quite as much, right? They, they at least have already made it there. Um, and that ends up being less pressure and more fun, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. And going back to the teamwork part, one of the reasons I like Trials is because I feel like even in a match where I don't get any kills and I just died a bunch, if I'm getting the revives or even if I'm not doing that, if I'm making the good callouts that are helping my team win, I honestly don't care if I'm at the dead bottom of the scoreboard as long as we're winning because I'm contributing, even if it's just calling out where the, where the guys are. I feel like that's my role. I would really like to be able to play that role with the emblem, though. I feel like yeah. it would legitimize my position a little bit Absolutely. better. Yeah. When I, I think my biggest problem is Trials doesn't fit my play style. My play style is pretty pretty aggressive, yeah. and, and I can't do that in Trials. I just can't do it. Um, mostly because you know you're always going to be facing two or three people if you're aggressive, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that just doesn't work for me. But uh, yeah, I, I I do enjoy the matches where I think like last last week I went fourteen and one <laughs> in a in a whole game, and that was probably the most fun I've ever had in a Crucible match. Just because, and it was it wasn't because I was doing amazing. It's because our whole team was working really well together. And I was yeah. literally cleaning up other people's kills, and uh, and and while you know, in any other mode you'd get upset about that. In that mode, we just tease each other about it and keep playing because mm-hmm. if you didn't kill that guy, he might not have died. He might have killed somebody else. And there's no other mode like that. In right? and I I can't stress enough how important it is to have a team that you're not going to be getting mad at each other for screwing up because yeah. you're going to screw up. You're going to make a bad call and be in a bad spot and die and not be able to be revived. And as long if you're with guys that you can joke with or at least that they're not going to, you know, not want to play with you ever again because you screwed up. <laughs> that's important. It is. Yeah. But that's why I don't play with Bjorn anymore. Oh, what? <laughs> now. So LFG is not the way to go, huh? Is that what you're saying? I can't imagine doing trials i have a friend who does it but i don't know i don't know how he does crazy i would do that if my self-esteem ever got too high i think (laughs) well and that's the reason i came to dbo because i played halo all through college and law school just matchmaking most of the for the most part just matchmaking on friday night the reason i came to dbo was so that i would always have a few people online that i could just hit up and and have some fun yeah same i it wasn't until, like we talked about, the DBO or uh, Destiny came start, was announced that I started going on DBO to meet with other people. But I can't imagine playing Destiny without without knowing people because I don't. I think I have maybe three real life friends that play Destiny. So mm-hmm. 
The same. I have, I have a coworker. I've got my nephews, and I'm, most of you guys have probably played with them in our fire team as well. And they play Destiny a lot. They love it. And I just can't understand why, as much as I tell them about joining somewhere like DBO or DBO itself, I, I, I don't understand why they won't do it. It's such a low bar to entry <laughs> to have that community to play with. Yeah, one of my old coworkers, I was just talking to him about this yesterday. Say exact same thing. It's uh, it, it's such a critical element. Well, and and, a, and I think a lot of it, like the, one of the coworkers I've also been trying to get to to come to the site, is they they have played with random people because it's the only way they can get through certain certain uh, experiences, and they've had maybe not bad experiences, but just very bland experiences. And to them, it's like, that's the same thing it's going to be even in a community like this. Honestly, I've played with other communities in Halo, uh, and it's not the same as this group because this group is very friendly and doesn't really care. We have enough people. There's not a, a there's not really a group of people at DBO that really cares about skill and nothing else. And I think that's yeah, the that's reason awesome. why it's as fun as it is. It's because it's literally just a pe- group of people that want to play and don't really care. It's, it's about the playing, not yeah. about the, the points at the end so much. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we we uh, are kind of coming up on the, the time that I'm, I'm setting for us. Uh, but before we, we wrap up, I, I just kind of wanted to get some uh, thoughts from Arendelle and Speed Racer about... E- things you'd like to see in destiny that aren't there like what are your what are your hopes and dreams speed racer goes first i was just about to say (laughs) um well the one thing i think is missing a lot is private matches and you know you guys may have seen xenos and i have a friendly wager about this Mm -hmm. because i think it's coming sooner rather than later and maybe it's not taking king i feel like it's Slightly better than fifty percent chance it will, um, which obviously means it's slightly in, it's forty nine percent chance it won't. <laughs> um, but I think it's I think it needs it, and I think Bungie does want Destiny to be at least to some degree on the competitive scene, and you can't get there without private matches. And those competitive teams they need a way to scrimmage each other and practice. Oh, you mean the um, the esports. Stuff. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that's part of it, but also just for us to be able to play each other. And after that bungee bounty, when oh, so you guys good. were, you know, you were playing with Deej, and we formed, I think, three teams on Xbox 360 to try to match up against you guys. Yep. And I was on the lucky team that we got matched up, and um, that was just so much fun. That a couple weeks later, we tried to do it again, and it took probably half an hour to get the 12 of us in a match together but it worked we played two or three matches until my team beat the other team so bad that we got <laughs> apple error coded and knocked to get orbit the mercy boot <laughs> exactly so and then you know i i bat out and a couple of other people bat out and some more people joined in and they i think they got a couple more matches there but bungie knows that we shouldn't we shouldn't need to go through that we shouldn't need to spend half an hour launching to find a fire uh opponent and backing out just so that the 12 of us can play together. And so I think that's been the one glaring omission that I really look forward to. And I don't know if that, how much it needs to be, whether it's just the, the capability to load up a lobby and play a match or whether we really need the options to turn off supers or no exotics or mm-hmm. uh, solar burn. You know, a lot of those things sound really fun to mess with. I, I just like, want the ability to load up a lobby. I feel like when they do it, though, they're going to go all the way. You're going to get all the options. 
you're probably right, and that's probably why it won't come with Taken King, and it won't be here until Destiny Two. Yeah, but I I figured that was a good bet for me because if it doesn't happen, then I'll be happy, and if it does happen, I'll be happy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just want to point out we lost that match because of Deej. That's really important. <laughs> and Claude. <laughs> and Claude. That's true. That's Actually, I don't know. Claude was ripping up with the last word that night at, at points. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I haven't watched that match more than a, I've probably watched it three times. I was never so happy to lose a match, though. Like <laughs> yeah, it was, it was same. close and uh, well, semi close. And if I remember it was right, just so much fun. If I remember right, didn't Deej tell us not to throw it? I think that's. I think I remember that. I don't I think, think he said anything like that. Actually, but, um, we have it all recorded. We just don't have my voice because yeah. I don't know how to record my <laughs> there voice. There were there have been two moments in Destiny where my heart was racing uncontrollably. The first was getting Flawless Raider. Um, we did that back in, I think it was November. Yeah, you guys did that early. You yeah, did we did it back when, you know, way before Crota. We did it when Atheon was still bugged and would not teleport anybody, or he would teleport one person. Uh, we got Flawless Raider without getting a single Times Vengeance on Atheon. So that that was one of those moments where I didn't care that it was 1 a.m. and my whole family was asleep. I was, you know, hooting and hollering. <laughs> and the other was that when we got matched up against you guys, my heart did not stop racing until the end of that match, and I was just on a high for half an hour afterward. Yeah, that was, that was great. How about you, Arendelle? What are your What are your thoughts for the future of Destiny? The oh, destiny of Destiny. The destiny of Destiny. <laughs> Um, well, since since uh, Speed Racer took on a, a more uh, multiplayer uh, wish, I think I think for me, I would love for Patrol to be harder and more random. And by that, I mean, I really loved when I first started on Destiny and kind of exploring the areas, uh, finding where the aliens were. Uh, but now whenever I land in, in patrol, it's you get on your speed bike and you punch the go button and there's no looking back until you get to where you're going. Like nothing on the map is going to stop you. You never have to worry about what's going on. Maybe if there's a public event, you turn around, but even if there is like, it's not a problem. It's not in your way. I would love to see some things in uh, maybe not all of the areas, but in some of the areas that actually stop you, that actually make you a little bit worried, that at least change your speeder uh, uh, path, right? Like, oh, I might need to sneak through this area now instead of just blasting right through the middle of it. Yeah, or actually engage these guys. Yeah. Yeah, like, like oh, well, this is interesting. I'd like to, you know, stop and, like, engage this without it being necessarily a public event. Um, that's what I'd like to see. Some, a little bit more random and a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. That's a good wish. I'm on board with that. I'm, curi- I'm curious to see how close uh, the Taken King stuff is in uh, in the Dreadnought. Well, and I'll say, uh, kind of in that same vein, I actually used to, specifically because I wanted hard activities to do each week, I'd do the Nightfall by myself on purpose. I'd even put myself offline uh, on Xbox so that people would not join me. Because... There just really isn't an experience quite like Legendary in Halo, yep. in Destiny. And to me, that's what it was. And I was I was really, I don't know if upset is the right word, because I understood the reasoning behind it, but I was, I, was a little bit, uh, I was a little bit disappointed when they raised the difficulty on Nightfalls for single players, because 
it just it went from being like legendary to being like lasso difficulty <laughs> and uh how, how many of us have uh rate show of show of hands uh how many of us have put on lower level gear to drop your level to do a nightfall i have not done that i have not done that either no. i do go in them by myself sometimes like xenos and try to solo them especially as a hunter where you don't have that oh crap i died but i don't want to reset button yeah. <laughs> it's pretty intense like you know because you get that 30 percent reduction in in damage output and you're going to take more damage i've definitely put on a different helmet and thought okay i'll i'll level this helmet while i'm doing this and see what happens yeah i don't I've, think I've it ever actually that. panned out for me <laughs> Very well. <laughs> it it did before before they raised the difficulty. I think I think I did it once or twice. Yeah. See, I've probably am one of those people that has soloed Nightfall more than I've actually done it with people. <laughs> um, and part of that is that I do it as a sun singer, so I do have one reset button if I yeah, if right. I get if I get just a little bit too aggressive. But I love but I love playing it that way. That's that's a that's a a good amount of like. Um, I'm making progress, but I can't like I can still wipe out a good number of enemies if I if if I play it right, um, but I can't be too aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's that's the thing I miss is before before they raised the difficulty. If I wiped, it it didn't feel like a big deal because it was like that was hard, but it wasn't like super ridiculously hard. And now after they've changed it, like I tried to do it this week, and I beat the tank. And then just got hit with something completely random. I don't even know what it was, and died. And I was like, "I do not want to go <laughs> it. I'm do that for another forty minutes." Yeah, yeah. I that that's what I'm. That's my hope. Also, is uh, the same thing as you, Andrew, which is I want more challenges that that I can do my, by myself. And I would I, I would absolutely love if they were in patrol. And and I mean, it sounds like they're going to at least try and make uh, patrol more challenging whether or not it'll be more random uh, that that we'll have to wait and see yeah i mean i would love to see a lot more variability in the types of patrol missions but also the exploration actually having a reason to go looking in every nook and cranny because there's going to be more than just 10 spin metal in this chest and there's going to be more than three ghosts i would imagine added in the taken king as well right right (laughs) yeah yeah, for me, it, mine sort of fits into that. The The thing I've always wanted, and I'm afraid that, well, sort of afraid, I've fully expected that the lifespan for Destiny on last-gen systems is uh, limited. And for me, I want bigger patrol areas. I want larger worlds. And I think that by dropping the old platforms, they might be able to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and I think along with that will we'll come, you know, just some more inherent... Um, just difference in how patrol plays out and how the missions play out too. There's just going to be more terrain to work with uh, per, per environment. So that's sort of my my long term hope is that the the places we go are going to feel larger and they're going to feel more real and and we're going to be have uh, sort of get lost. Like you can go and just get lost in a place for a while. Well, and I I think I think probably number one wish though of all is uh, is more lore. I absolutely love the grimoire. I think I've spent probably as many hours as I've spent reading good books, reading the grimoire. And uh, yeah, there's a lot I, of material there. I, I love it. I've reread a lot of it, and I just want I want that to both matter in the game a little bit more, and also 
for a lot of it to be a little bit less mysterious. I like the mystery, but sometimes you read a card and you're like, I have no idea right. how that fits into this universe. I agree. I, I think by far the best of all the grimoire even is the story of Thorn and Last Word. Yeah. You know, connected to it. But because it's there's just enough mystery there, but you're getting straight up dialogue, so you know what's going on and who's talking for the most part. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, this wraps up episode five. Um, unless you guys have anything else to add. Oh, let's go do a raid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I thank you so much for, for joining us. I think it's really awesome that uh, we got we were able to get some community folks in here. And I think we should make this a, a semi-regular thing. So I don't know how we're going to do that yet. This is definitely just a... Um, ad hoc thing but uh we'll we'll come up with a, a system and get some community people in on the podcasts awesome. going forward awesome. it was fun it was, it was great to be here and uh as always uh we had so we had uh, arendelle and speed racer as guests and xenos and i'm bjorn thank you for for listening you can uh oh i i should like plug our twitter or something right you know, we're at yeah. dbo underscore tweets, and you can find us at destiny.bungie.org. We are not bungie.net. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.